The following podcast is a program segment from the Midday Moments program with Gary Duncan. Join Gary for two hours of sacred music, along with moments of faith, family, and fun. Listen to AM 850 in St. Louis, or on the live stream at kfuo.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, KFUO Radio. AM 850 KFUO, the messenger of good news. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO Radio. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moment program. And right now it's time for us to have a moment of faith from uh, Doug Nicely. And good afternoon, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Gary. Good to talk to you. It's good talking to and you, too. And uh, we're on the Seventh Commandment. We're on the Seventh Commandment. What I want to do with you the next few weeks, when we take a look at the remaining commandments, is to connect it back to episodes in the life of King David. Okay. Because I think there's plenty enough having to do with his life in the commandments that uh, you can see uh, some interesting examples about what happened to him as a result of his breaking of the Sixth Commandment with his adultery with, uh, as the New Testament calls Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Mm-hmm. Now, this one should be easy, though, right? You shall not steal. Just that's simple. Not steal. Just don't well, take anything, right? Well, it sounds that way, but let me let me tell you a little David story to show you that it's a little bit more complicated. Okay. We're going to start out today with the word entitled, and it has an interesting history. Originally, this word meant to bestow a title of nobility, rank, honor, or dignity upon someone. But in recent decades, this word's meaning has changed to give a legal right or claim to something. And I got this from the American Heritage Dictionary. This second definition has put entitled dangerously close to a violation of the Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. Stealing doesn't so much have to do with taking something from another person as it does with our feeling that we have the right to take it. Stop and think about that. Because, you know, that's the line of reasoning that starts with all of this. Exactly. So let me talk a little bit about one of David's sons. King David's son Absalom is a good example for us. Uh, If you'll remember, the king had many sons and daughters born to many wives. One of the brothers, Amnon, fell deeply in love with Absalom's sister, Tamar. Amnon feigned sickness and tricked Tamar into coming into his bedroom. Then Amnon raped his stepsister. Absalom, the brother, waited for two years and then invited Amnon to a party. And when his stepbrother got drunk, he was murdered by Absalom's servants. Absalom then fled to Geshur, the home of his wife's family, and stayed there for three years. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem with the king's permission, but David never saw his son for two more years. This is enough for Absalom. He came to the conclusion that he was entitled to replace his father as the king of Israel. Let me read for you a few verses from 2 Samuel 15. Absalom would stand at the city gate each day. This is the place where judgments were rendered for the people, kind of like the uh, courtroom. He would say to the one seeking justice, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Oh, that I were the judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he was put his hand out and uh, take hold of him and kissed him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. That, that's the quote from Second Samuel 15. And actually, the story ends very sadly. Absalom chased his father away from Jerusalem into the wilderness. General Joab, 
who was also a relative of David, killed Absalom in battle, and David wept when he heard about his son's death, lamenting, O Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Would that I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Sad thing is that neither Absalom nor King David forgave as the prodigal father did to his son in Jesus' parable. This is the son who took his inheritance away from his father and uh, went to a far land and and blew it all. And uh, when he decided that he was in such desperate straits that he had nowhere to go and nothing to do, it got to the point where he had to work for somebody in that foreign nation. And this man made the uh, the prodigal son feed pigs, which if you're a Jewish boy, that's that's about as low as you can get. And uh, we're told in Jesus' parable that he got so hungry that he was thinking of eating the pods that the pigs ate so he could have some food. And he said to himself, well, this is silly. Even if I go to my father's house to become a servant, I'll live better than this. So he went back to his father's house. His father saw him and ran up to him and embraced him. And that's an amazing thing. And of course, if you remember the parable, the older brother got really angry. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and he said, listen, you, you just don't understand. This brother of yours was, was dead, and now he's alive again. He's lost and is now found. That sound familiar? Yes. To a song you've heard of? Yes. Amazing Grace. Yeah. Exactly. That's the original version of that line from Amazing Grace. And that's that's what the love of the father's all about. The father said to the older brother, Everything I have is yours, it's okay. But we had to embrace this brother. And what's interesting is that after the father says this to the older brother, there the parable ends. You know, there's also the workers in the field parable. To yeah. me it's relatable because here you have someone who's gone, and then you have one son who stays and is with his father the whole time, mm-hmm. and he's upset because the other son who left is coming back. And then the same thing with the field workers. They're upset because the people who were hired last got the same amount of pay. But I guess right. what both parables are trying to teach us... This is not about entitlement. Right. He loves all of us more than we deserve. Right. That's that's where I was trying to go with that, is that yeah. with both those parables, it's saying that, you know, it's not what we're doing. It's what God has done for us through Christ. And, what he, and he's done that for all of us. Right. And not just the ones who we consider to be privileged or the ones who, uh, the way we use the word now, uh, entitled. Right. Which usually means that we expect something that we don't have. Everything is in the hands of God. And I'll bet you that we probably don't need as much as we think that we do. Right. In order to continue on. Would you lead us in a prayer? All right. Lord, teach us over and over again that the human impossibility of forgiveness can only be realized when we see your love as greater than ours, and that we cannot forgive until we have been drawn to Mount Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for the time. Eighth, eighth commandment next week, and we're going to meet somebody from David's story you probably never even heard of. Okay. I look forward right. to it. Okay. Thanks. See you then. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO.